ask you to stand to your feet and put your hands together for Pastor Shri. She's on. She's on. All right. <laughs> All right. While you're standing, um, I'd be really honoured if we just pray together over the word um, this afternoon. Um, so we just thank you, God, so much. Heavenly Father, that you are a God of miraculous power, God. And that, that I can do your word justice today, God, and just for your will to be done in this house, God, for you to protect your people today, God, for you to anoint your people and impart what you need to impart today, Lord, and to strengthen the work of the church, God. We will not grow weary. We will not grow weak. We will do what we are called to do. And everyone said... Amen. Come on. All right. Have a seat. <laughs> did it warm you up? Yep. It did? Okay, good. <laughs> um, yeah, Momentum Conference. Um, I think I've only been to a handful of conferences in my, in my life, and I never know what to expect. Um, it's definitely a new muscle because you're just, you're in and out of fellowship and hearing these amazing sermons and just there's so much to take in it's like it's overwhelming and exhausting we go back to our cabin you're just sort of like staring at all like what just happened (laughs) but it's like amazing and um and and it's so comforting to know God is at work in the church for this nation for in in our movement and in the churches all throughout this nation and worldwide and it just gives you a bigger scope of what's happening even beyond our city and our town and um and what was birthed I believe from this conference and hearing from um these incredible speakers and pastor Ross of course the INC chairman was this real vulnerability and like authentic leadership and the church is so ready for it because I think long enough have we had um, leaders and speakers that are like they're just not vulnerable there's like (laughs) there's like these pieces that they're pushing vision and it's wonderful and they're stirring the people but the church has had enough of certain facades on 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 people and we're ready for something real um, and something palpable and the Holy Spirit's doing that um, in his people. So it was just, yeah, it was really refreshing um, to see that. And I mean, we all know, you can see the shift that's been happening in the church even the last couple of years. There's so many things happening. And one thing that was reflected, I thought that was really interesting was we still haven't felt the repercussions of what has happened to us as a nation and as a world the last two years. Like we think we're dealing with it, um, but it's going to hit us in years to come. And that's okay because the people of God are going to be ready and we're going to be equipped and we're going to be restored to help people. Um, I just thought it was a really interesting thing that he touched upon. Um God's going to keep bringing things to the surface. Amen? God's going to keep revealing what he needs to reveal in our lives so we can do the work that we need to do as a church. 
Now, there's a really funny story. I don't know if it's too silly, but can I go there? <laughs> I was like, sometimes, sometimes I just need a silly story to get me going. To Okay, anyway, there's this really funny story of this Chinese couple. And the wife was actually, this is a real story. The wife was sued by her husband because she had, quote, unquote, really ugly babies. Oh, I'm serious. I'm serious. Stay with me. Stay with me. I mean, yeah, whoa, right? The problem was that she didn't tell him that she'd had $100,000 worth of plastic surgery done before they met and changed her whole look. Ultimate catfishing, right? So they married, they had children, and he got a bit of a shock that these children did not look like her whatsoever. Anyway, of course, they divorced. You can't. <laughs> he won the case too, by the way. He actually sued her. Shocking, I know. And my goodness, you just have to laugh at the things humankind tries to hide beneath the surface and what we do to bury things about ourselves, about the way we work, the way we look. It's innate in our nature, unfortunately, since the, since the original sin tried to hide. People say that, you know, oh, kids are so innocent, you know, they don't struggle with sin. I was like, you have not, the amount of cookies I found hidden and food through my house, oh, they know how to hide things. <laughs> it's innate in us to hide things, parts of ourselves, things that we think are full of shame. It's fascinating. So this poor lady and her apparently ugly babies, bless them. Um, but I tell you something that's really ugly. The face of religiosity in church. Now that's ugly. The religious masks that probably have grabbed us all at one stage in our walk. The mask that says you must do this or condemnation. Have you felt it before? That's ugly, isn't it? That's not Jesus. What is the cost to us as believers if we have this innate nature to hide things and hide parts of ourselves and hide sin? What's the cost? What's the cost to you in your marriages, in your relationships, in your ministry? That's something for you to ask yourself. We bury things, ignore things, out of sight, out of mind. We try and hide parts of ourselves. But the cost, part of it, is that we stunt our growth in Christ. Because as believers, it's not just at the point of salvation that we are full-grown, mature Christians. <laughs> this is a long and, and a wonderful journey. We are people that keep growing and being changed. And it's a process. And let us not be fooled by the own, our own masks that we carry. 2022 is not over yet. There's work to be done in this house. That's good work. <laughs> so, 
today I really felt um, led to Josiah, the king, uh, king Josiah. Um, has anyone read or know of the story of Josiah? Yeah, a few of us? Okay, so I'll give a little uh, trailer or recap or (laughs) I'll paint the picture for those. um, (laughs) Trailer, yeah, 30-second trailer. Um, For those that don't know the story, because it's such a rich story and I got a little bit overwhelmed because I was like, there's so many good things here, God, in this story and in his life. So Josiah was only eight years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. Eight years old. We've got a couple of eight-year-olds here. They can barely tie their shoes, let alone reign over a kingdom. That's huge. But what had gone before him, it's funny, the line of kings, when you read it, those that reigned over, it's, it, it really feels like a pattern like this, like evil king, evil king, evil king, oh, all right king, evil king, evil king, right king, he had was right in the eyes of God, evil king, right, evil, it just goes on. It's like kind of exhausting, but then kind of hilarious, like they did good, they did bad, it's just this pattern. So the kings, the two kings before him, his father and his grandfather, were totally evil king, evil king, all right? So this this eight-year-old didn't come from this godly heritage and line, you know. He had these examples of these incredible men. No, this boy had really evil people in his life. So he took this kingdom on at eight years old. His father was so evil, get this, his father was so evil that the servants took him out after two years. He only had two years as king and they're like, we got to do something. This guy, like, he's gone. And they're like, I prefer an eight-year-old than this guy. Like, seriously, that tells you how bad. (laughs) Yeah, that's like a movie plot, isn't it? Someone should make that. Anyway, so his father was named Ammon, and he was incredibly evil. And the servants did that, and this eight-year-old took it on. Now, in verse 2, in 2 Kings 22, it says... Josiah, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father, David. Wait a second. Does anyone see? Was his father's name David? No, it wasn't. The the words are actually referring to his ancestor, David, King David, the David that had heart after God. I think that's really interesting that You don't need the perfect upbringing to have a heart after God. You can go through traumas. You can lose parents. But you can still have this heart that's just after Jesus, that's after God. It doesn't define you where you came from. All right? Now it says at the end of verse 2, Josiah not turning aside to the right or to the left. He had a heart like his ancestor. I don't know about you, but it's hard not to turn to the right or left. It's hard in your walk with Jesus to keep your eyes fixed on him. That's narrow. And this is so beautiful and so rare that this was in this heart of this boy to become a young man, a young ruler. Okay. So Josiah, 
eight years old. He's got this kingdom on. Years have passed. A few years. We're roll. It's like a little montage of his life. You know, he's learning. He's growing. They're having a few laughs with the servants. You know, he's, he's learning. And so 18 years, 18 years has passed. So he's been about, what's the math? 26. He's about 26 years old, young man. And he's actually been, um, he started to be taught in his 13th year of reign by uh, the prophet Jeremiah. So he'd had some incredible words on his life and, and teaching and pastoring. Now, I'm going to remember this. I'm going to recap it into a story form. So Josiah, they started to search the temple. The temple was in ruin because what had come before him? Evil king, evil king, evil king. Although great-grandfather, he was great. But evil king, evil king, there was a few along the line. And so these kings had destroyed the temple. Like, don't even care about, don't care about the priests that are there. They're just, it's in ruins, okay? Josiah was like, okay, we need to get this thing repaired. We're going to honour God's house. And in that, the priest had found some lovely scrolls hidden in the temple, in the ruins. And what was the scrolls? It was the book of the law. God's word that had been hidden and disregarded, doesn't that remind you a little bit of our nation at the moment? A nation that was at one time honouring to God, you know, and yet now it's just been hidden in the ruins of our society now. These words were found. And so the gentleman who found them, or one of them brought him to Josiah, the young, the young man king. And he said, all right, re- read me these scrolls. You know, what of it? <laughs> More knowledge. And he didn't say that, I'm paraphrasing. And, and so he, he hears these words, and it's the book of the law. It's God's words that were given to Moses. This is not a dry novel, you know. These are the living, breathing words of God that change lives. And he was so moved by hearing these words on this scroll that was found in this this temple that was in ruins, brought him to, get this, rip his shirt apart. Oh, this is, okay, in ancient times, you were so moved by things, I mean, I'm, I'm, Dora, I'm not going to do it today. I, I buttoned my shirt. <laughs> I got pins. But this, this is fascinating to me that in, in that time, they were so moved in their heart that they could not contain it and they would shred their royal garment in mourning. And he mourned and he wept and he said, God, these people have, this guy's young man, these people have come so far from you, God. I am, I'm in torment, I'm in mourning, I'm grieving, I'm so deeply convicted. I mean, we just don't see that deep conviction today. Do you? It's rare. It's so rare, but it's so vital because he had a heart after God and he felt like God felt the frustration and the sorrow towards these people. So, when I was unpack, 
looking at this word, it was like Josiah had torn this, this shirt from his heart, but he'd really just revealed the hidden parts of his heart. And who else tore his clothes off a fair bit? <laughs> Come on, this is Bible trivia. King David, his father, his ancestor that he was uh, likened to by the writer of this book. King David, let me think. Well, he didn't quite shred his clothes, but he wore his little undergarment, did a little dance before his men because he was praising and worshipping God. Anyone remember that? It's the key. It's always brought up in sermons. It's hilarious, but it's wonderful. And he just gave his all to God. Hey, it's just so marvellous. And, and then uh, King David also did it where he tore his clothes to shreds in mourning when Saul and Jonathan, um, his best friend, was taken out. So it was such a custom of that day. The what was happening on the inside you would see by these men. I don't know about the men in the house, but sometimes you contain it a little bit. See a few more shredded shirts, okay? Uh, <laughs> you can let it rip here. You can let it rip here. You can let your heart be shown. In Joel 2.13, it says, rend your heart and not your garments. All right, man, you'll let off the hook. You don't have to rend your garments. You don't have to tear them. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. You see, heart posture makes all the difference when receiving the Word of God. Josiah's heart here, after hearing God's Word, made all the difference. A same man could hear the Word and it fall completely flat and a nation would not be changed because the heart of stone would not be moved. I don't know about you, but I do not want a heart of stone when I hear the Word of God in my life, when I hear people speak into my life. The heart makes all the difference. Okay, so what then did Josiah, young man, heart after God, young king, young ruler, what then did he do after he shredded his clothes? Anyone? <laughs> Not yet, don't do any spoilers. Um, no, so Josiah, then he's like, okay, I need to get confirmation that this is God's word. And so he sent his little crew, his little servant crew, his, his people. He's like, go and check in with the prophetess. You don't hear that much, hey? It's pretty rare, the prophetess. Um, so a prophet or a prophetess, Heard directly from God and was God's messenger, God's mouthpiece. So he's like, quick, we need to go double check this, check the references. And he received an amazing word. And the prophetess said, God has seen your mourning. God has seen your tears. And you are not going to see the punishment that's to come for these people, but they will be blessed while you reign. That's in a nutshell. <laughs> that's huge. So then... He got it confirmed and Josiah's like, now I've got to take action for my people. You see, sometimes we can hear the, God, hear the Word of God. It can move us in our hearts 
in, in, in our minds, and yet that's all we do. We might receive, yeah, good word, Pastor Sheree, Pastor Timothy, whatever. It was all, you know, great word. It's moved me. And yet we just go back to our very sometimes normal lives. Not Josiah. <laughs> Not King Josiah. Side note, we have a nephew named Josiah, don't we? Cool name. Anyway. Josiah and the hidden false idols destroyed. Sorry, we've worked through. Josiah found the hidden book of the law. Josiah and the hidden parts of the heart revealed. Now, Josiah and the hidden and some not so hidden false idols that he was going to destroy. He gathered his team. He gathered his crew. He gathered the leaders over Judah. And he said, that this, the time has come. We are going to restore this nation back to God. This is from one young man king who was obedient to God. He heard the word, it moved his heart and he said, time for change. It's time to do something. They tore down these towering idols and, and witchcraft that was in homes and whatever, it was like mediums and spirits. He got rid of these like people that were practicing this stuff. It said in, in Chronicles 33, I might bring that up. Is that one up? Yep. Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all of the territory belonging to the Israelites. This is a big lot of work to do. This is a big lot of work for a people that had forgotten God for years and years and years. And they'd built up so many idols and disgusting things that they were pouring their life into that were completely false and demonic. I don't know about you, but I've seen that around Sydney. There's false idols in households. So he does this big work. As long as he lived, they, they the people that he oversaw, did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their fathers. That's huge. That's a huge task for a young king. That's the power of spiritual leadership. That's the power of one man saying yes to the call of God. That's the power of one man obeying God. That's the, one, that's the power of one person feeling as God feels and mourning it and coming to Him with repentance. Josiah also got rid of, this is in, oh, I don't have it written here. I think this is 2 Kings 30-something. Josiah rid, got rid of the mediums and spiritists, the household gods, the idols, and all other detestable things seen in Judah and Jerusalem. This he did to fulfill the requirements of the law written in that little old book, that scroll that was found in that temple. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did. Oh, that's huge. I mean, let's prove them wrong though. Come on, them's fighting words. That's like, you know what, God? Let's try. Let's try and be like Josiah. Amen? Come on. Neither before nor after. Oh, but in 2022, this little cracker of a church, 
rivaled him. With all his heart and all his soul and all his strength. Awesome. So I'll recap with the three points, if we can bring them up. I mean, it's obvious the things that were hidden. Do you see it? When something hidden becomes revealed through the Word of God, through the power of God's Word, that's how the world changes. That's how your world will change. That's how your family will change. I believe we're at a crossroads as a church, as a people. The decisions we make and the lives we lead will largely determine if this is going to be the great south land of the Holy Spirit or not. The lives we leave and the lives we choose and the hidden parts we want to keep there sometimes, they will be holding us back as a church, as a nation to move forward in our call in God. Now, if you're just tuning in now, Oh, come on, that's a funny one. I like to say it every time. I'm just testing you. <laughs> I made it a little rhyme so you can remember. When hidden parts are revealed, the generations will be healed. Oh, psh, come on. When the hidden parts are revealed in our hearts, in our minds, generations will be healed. Come on. This is what Josiah's life story is all about. And this is what your life story can be about. And you get to choose this. This is your choice with God. And you know what? It's always uncomfortable to do the work, the inner work. Has anyone done therapy here? A couple, yeah? It's uncomfortable. They take you to places... So you can process those things. But I'll tell you one thing, it's worth it. And the problem sometimes in Christianity, in our walks, is we just plead with God just to be comfortable. Anyone? I know that in my own walk, I said, Lord, I just want a simple life. <laughs> just go country, you know, <laughs> have a little cabin in the woods, don't have to see anyone at any time. <laughs> I've just revealed a hidden secret to you all. <laughs> it's uncomfortable work to do the inner healing, but it is worth it for the kingdom of God. It's uncomfortable work when we have to do with generational trauma or generational hurts. It's uncomfortable when we have to deal with sin that just keeps coming up and is just repetitive and we can't get out of the trap of it. But it's worth it. It's worth it for Jesus. You know, the moment we um, pair ourselves in a relationship, the moment you're getting married, guess what comes up? The hidden parts. You reel them in with your plastic surgery, (laughs) 
with your faults, you know. I'm always look this way. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and then bit by bit, as you form your lives together, you know what? Oh, where did that come from? I'm actually still hurt. I'm still working through something, man, deep-seated from my childhood. Um, and then especially when, when you add children to the mix, oh, my goodness, do the weaknesses come out. <laughs> you say, I'm never going to be like my parents. <laughs> it just comes back out. But, but I say this, but it's a good thing because God is forming you and changing you with these relationships and these different seasons and it's uncomfortable, but it is, come on. <laughs> I wish I had lollies. Keep you awake. There was one thing. I've, I've had to look after my mum this week at home. She's had a, um, a surgery. And... And, you know, we have chats and, and my mum's a lot older than I and, and it's so interesting in speaking to her and learning the things that I've actually carried on from her generation that I didn't know were hidden in my subconscious and in my spirit. And... It's funny because sometimes, funny ironic, not funny haha. It's, it's strange because, okay, for example, list two things in your head that you think are characteristics of yourself. Just go, just like, you know, you're at a, you're at a work interview. What's your two strengths? <laughs> Put you on the spot. Just go, yeah. Now, have you got them? Anyone? Got a couple? Okay. So now these two characteristics that you, you know, take as part of your identity, part of your strengths, dig a little deeper. Where are they actually from? Are they, are you saying it because you want to be that? Is there a fear there? For example, one thing that I used to say and be proud of was that I was incredibly independent, you know? Living out of home since I was 17, Miss Independent, working, you know, like I was Timothy's sugar mama originally when we were dating. No, no. I had a job before. So. <laughs> but I, I had this air about me. I'm independent, you know. And I, and I would say, I'm resilient. This is a good thing. And I'd hear my mother say the same things. Oh, out of the war, you know, we had no money. We had to make do. I'm resilient. I'm independent. But God said, dig deeper because there are hidden parts there that you're not seeing. It's a deception. It's a lie. It's self-sufficiency in disguise, fear at the root of it. Fear that I'm going to be rejected so you can do it by yourself. Fear that no one else can be trusted. Has anyone else felt that? So it's under this deception of self-sufficiency and independence and woo. No. 
God showed me that the hidden parts need to be exposed for me to grow in Him and to be dependent on others and community. And I'm still on a journey with it. God is good, hey. I share this with you. It's hard sometimes to be vulnerable, but I share this with you because I will not be a person of fear and I do not bow to the spirit of fear in my life. Jesus is the king of my life. He's the king of your life. Come on. These hidden parts come out. There's three things that I believe Jesus would want you to take home from the story of Josiah. And we only just touched upon it, to be honest. But if you'd like to go a bit deeper into the story, um, I really suggest that you go through it. Two Kings, two. The whole chapter is wonderful. So the three things that I think you should take away from this is number one, let the Word of God reveal you. Let it stir you. Let it convict you. In Hebrews 4, 12, it says, for the Word of God, come on, we know this one. The Word of God is living and active. It is not dormant and sleepy. It's sharper than a two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow. The Word of God discerns the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. Declare it over your homes. Declare it over your minds. Do you know... The Word of God will even come to you when you sleep. (laughs) It works in marvellous ways. I had this dream. Oh, it must have been at the beginning of the year. I don't even remember. But we were praying over what our word for the year was going to be. We're like, what is it, God? What is it? What are you leading us into this year? And as we did that, I think it was in that season, I had this dream. And it was just like this, just speaking to a crowd but they were just walking out the door. <laughs> like preacher's nightmare, to be honest. <laughs> My jokes are bad. No. Um, <laughs> but, but what God revealed to my inner world and my heart at that time is it did not matter because I am called to preach the Word. I will, to my dying breath, preach the Word and... Declare Jesus because that is who I'm called to be. And I did not even know that. (laughs) No, I'm serious. This is the funny thing. I didn't even know that about myself. But God knew the innermost parts and workings of me and He revealed them to me because I was willing to do the work. He's so good. God's so good. He knows you so deeply, even more than you know yourself, because your heart lies to you. Your mind lies to you. But God will not lie to you. He's a promise keeper. 
I'm going off my points, but do we care? <laughs> all right, all right. Number two, remember, I was giving you three things. I'm going to send you home with some practical things. Number two, take off our masks. Can anyone say, ouch? Come on, it hurts. We've all had things ingrained into us. It starts very early. Behave this way. Present yourself this way. Only this attitude is acceptable. Only this way of being is acceptable. Bit by bit, the masks go on. But God can transform and take off those masks. The right heart posture will help us. The right heart posture is vital to helping us get through these things, these coping mechanisms, these unrevealed sins. The enemy is so very deceptive that like my story of those things that you say are your main characteristics, they can be lies, complete lies about your identity. So this week, when you go home, consider those things you list yourself as and dig a bit deeper to the root of them. Because the enemy is so deceptive, he doesn't want us to be like Josiah. He doesn't want us to be a, a church of transformation. Now, when we are tempted to go back into those masks, which can happen, you can have these amazing seasons in your walk where you're like, yes, God, I'm like, I'm vulnerable and I'm with you and I'm learning and it's good. And then sometimes there's that cycle of, okay, I just got to put it back on because I'm getting a bit hurt. Has anyone felt that? <laughs> when we are tempted to go behind those masks again, and you carry fear and hurt and shame or offence, whatever it is, God will remind you that He is your true hiding place. And in Him is the safest you will ever, ever be. Placing our trust in Jesus rather than our own effort God has given us the gift of total acceptance. We can really come out of hiding, hey? You can really come out of hiding when you know you're in total acceptance with a loving Saviour that went to the cross for you and I. There's nothing more precious in this world. Number three. Oh, gosh, I find it hard to go back to numbers. Number three. It's good, though. I worked hard. Number three. I'll keep you on your toes. It's all right. Reset your foundations. It is never too late. You are never too far gone. You are never too traumatized. You are never too hurt, never too broken for God to restore his work in you. 
Josiah only had a short reign, but he did a massive work to restore a whole nation. Josiah heard the word, he felt God's heart, then took action. Where are you going to take action? In your home? In your workplace? Are you going to remove idols and false things that have led you astray? Things that you have placed before God? And once you've done that and you really feel like you're still struggling, like something's just on you that will not budge and you just don't have peace over, next step is to get deliverance, okay? And who was here for Pastor Timothy's sermon a few weeks back? A few of you? So just to recap, Deliverance ministry is bubbling. It's happening. There's a peace that the people need for extra healing to move us forward. I believe it's a peace for this church to move us forward and to get the healing that we so desperately need because the, the people of God are just too knotted up, knotted up with anxieties and hurts. And I've never seen a people so crippled by it. When we see this beautiful, precious Jesus before us and we sing and we praise and we love Him so much, yet we're suffering. And I say, no more. It's bubbling. Get yourselves ready. If there is something that is it just will not budge with your prayer and, and your, um, your disciplines in the Word, then there's something else that the, the church here would love to support you with and get you freedom. Can you all say freedom? freedom. Oh, it wasn't very brave heart-like. Freedom. freedom! Come on, there's a few Scots in the house. Yes. The people of God, we're going to keep declaring it, Timothy and I, and I know the team here, we're going to keep declaring freedom for the people of God. Till our dying breath, we will declare freedom. We will declare that Jesus Christ be glorified and amplified in this nation. Luke 8, 17, for nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. We will be people of the light. Hidden parts revealed, generations healed. God gave me this word today to bring to his beautiful bride, his beautiful church. I can't wait. I can't wait. what it means for us, what it means for Sydney. I'll be on tears if I stick to it too long. (laughs) Jesus paid a price that we could never pay. I would love 
No, I'd be most honoured to pray for you today. If you have parts in yourself that you know God needs to deal with, hidden parts, I'm not even just going to invite you to raise your hand. That's the too easy basket a little bit. (laughs) Stand to your feet. And I will pray for you, but I'll ask you to take a bolder step to come out of hiding. And just come down the front, and I'm just going to pray over you all. The masks don't keep Jesus away. Amen? (laughs) Oh, he sees you. He sees you and I. He made you. He knows you. Will you let him anoint you and impart to you through this word today? (laughs) Even before we set the mood, come down, be bold. Come on. I really would be most honoured to impart this word to someone today. Don't let me carry this burden for nothing. Come on. Let's pray together. Lord, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, kingdom come. Thank you, Jesus. Do you need healing in this place? Do you need freedom? He wants to give it to you. You got to want it. Jesus. Who's going to do it? I'll wait all night. It's okay. Come on, come on. Who needs this impartation? Hallelujah. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Praise God for the work He is doing in this house. Thank you, Lord. Come on. This is yours. God, we pray, go deep. God, we pray, unmask us. Reveal, Lord. Reveal who we really are in Your eyes, God. Because the world so desperately tries to lie to us. The enemy tries to lie to us. God, that our identity is found in You and You alone. Church, stretch your hands forward. This is a group effort to anoint these people today. Hallelujah. Yes, lift your hands. Do you receive it? Do you receive this impartation? Come on, if you're up the front here, if you're in the back, it doesn't matter. You say it with me. You say, God, I give you my heart. Come on. Reveal the hidden parts of me. Lord, go deep and heal the inner parts of me. You say, God, I surrender. God, I am sorry for what has gone ahead of you. 
come on. Nations can be changed if we repent and we give it to Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Louder. Louder. Let it out. Louder. Louder. Release it. Come on. No more fear. You serve a mighty God. You are sons and daughters of the Most High. There is no fear in this house. Hallelujah. Praise Him. Praise Him. receive it now. Truth, truth to the lies that have been spoken over you. Receive it now. <laughs> or the past is going to fall apart to pieces at the front. <laughs> Let's lift our hands and praise Him. Let's lift our hearts and praise Him. Thanks, Chris. Take it away, brother. 